that's seed grow money money that's seed dot ro double dollar sign host of the nerding with friends podcast i'm joined today with my co-host codename comment salutations my fellow blurs nerds and peaceful herds it's your boy codename comment how y'all doing and we're also joined today by frequent guest gareth curtis g curtis in the building it's uh it's a marvel shirt marvel. actually yeah marvel, marvel shirt so see, yeah i got all the characters on there yeah, gotta that's represent like a, marvel man it's the classic too mm-hmm, gotta represent marvel and it makes sense for the episode we're having today in celebration of black history month we are reviewing black panther wakanda forever and uh, the final installment of Marvel's Phase Four, what a way to go out. Uh, great tribute to the late, great Chadwick Boseman, a passing of the torch. And overall, just a, just a movie filled with Black excellence. So y'all ready? Sure. Let's get into sure. it. Pass it off to the host. I met the good, good. Cut you are that. the host, sir. <laughs> Alley to myself. I'd score past touchdown, cut off <laughs> off the backboard. <laughs> pass it to the to the guest, G Curtis. What did you think about Wakanda Forever? Well, let me start. Let me start off by saying that this was a very difficult movie mm-hmm. for me to watch because for two reasons. First reason is. The first Black Panther, I feel like it set the standard, you know, for quote unquote black superhero movies, because for the longest time, there was kind of a stigma attached to black superhero movies that they're not that good. They can't be, you know, financially successful. And I feel like Black Panther kind of shattered that. The second reason this was difficult for me was because of the passing of Chadwick Boseman. So with those two things in mind, you know, my approach to this movie was with a, a healthy dose of skepticism. But I must say that, you know, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, this movie was excellent. And I do feel like even though I was firmly in the camp of, hey, you know, we got to recast this role. I came to understand why they didn't recast it. And I felt like, you know, the scenes where you actually have a funeral for T'Challa, it felt like we needed to see that visual representation, you know, of Chadwick Boseman kind of, you know, exiting the role and, you know, we're passing the torch now onto a new Black Panther. I felt like we needed to see that. And I I also applaud the decision not to have him killed in battle or something like that. They had him taken out by an illness and it was so sudden. So it kind of, there was a representation there of what we went through as fans when we heard that Chadwick Boseman had passed from a, you know, from cancer and we didn't know that he had been sick. So with all those things in mind, I felt like Black Panther was it was a great tribute. You know, we finally got to see characters like Namor for once, you know, on camera. And, you know, I, I like the the interpretation that they had of the character. And, you know, the 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 the, the wings on the ankles, a lot of people were against mm-hmm. it. But, you know, if, if they enable him to fly, then they have to be better than the ones that we see in the comic book. So I, I get it. Yeah. But overall, you know, a, a well, well-crafted movie, definitely you know, emotional, it packed a punch. And yeah, I, I, I must say, you know, the original Black Panther for me is still the standard, but this was, this was pretty close. Yeah. And, and to try to, to like kind of chime into what you're saying, like you, you said multiple things that really kind of resonated with me. Um, for one, the funeral scenes and like the the loss of Chadwick Boseman and the way that we lost Chadwick Boseman, like we, we really knew him going out as a hero. He, 
kept everything he was dealing with under wraps. So for us to really get that feeling of resounding, uh, I wouldn't say it was refreshing to kind of feel like we were there at the funeral, but it was a situation where because we have such ties to this character who really just kind of got dropped in, uh, dropped on us. Like you see Chad with Bozeman and not a lot of other roles and you see how great he is, but it's, I would be completely honest and remiss to say that I would have ever expected him to step into a role of this magnitude in the way to what, what he did with it. It gave us everything that we needed, not only out of a black superhero movie, but out of a black superhero in his, his, his environment, it, you know, Wakanda from its, in first showing was everything that you want to see out of black excellence and everything you want to see out of a, a black c- country completely devoid of any colonization. It's, it's how we really envision what the future could be like if all things were the way that they're supposed to be. So to be kind of completely engulfed in the loss of this character that brought us these like, kind of feelings that we haven't really felt before when it comes to like any real black character on screen. I mean, for all I love Denzel Washington, I ain't trying to be Alonzo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be like the coach in remember the Titans, but B- Chadwick Boseman's portrayal of T'Challa and portrayal of the black Panther. Cause in a sense, they are kind of a, a different character in the way that he had operated. It's like, it was different. It gave us something that we could idolize. And we lost that in a way where we really felt powerless and the way that they showed that and interpreted it, that within the movie was, it was, it felt, it, it really pulled on your heartstrings. Cause it's like, not only do you feel that on a realistic level, it's like you can't, it's cancer is something that's still being battled today. But even on the, the levels of what Shiri's intelligence was, if the smartest person in the Marvel universe can't handle this, like how powerless, how powerless we felt, like we almost got to imagine like what she felt like she has not really had situations where she wasn't able to, you know, overcome before. We got to remember she was the person who was called in to, you know, remove the, the mind stone from vision when it was basically thought of as a situation that couldn't be done. Um, so you think about it in terms of what her, she was capable of and she can't save her brother. It just kind of puts you in that mindset of dang, man, it's like, what were we to do? in a situation where this man is fighting for his life in a very royal and regal way, which also kind of maintained the quality of how we felt as him, the hero. Um, and even to double down on that, it's like what they did with Namor in a, a small sample. I don't, I feel, and the reason I say it's a small sample, it's a long movie, but there was no build up to Namor at all. Like prior to this, like he was like, he was dropped into this movie and he immediately becomes someone that you understand to an extent. And also they kind of want to see more. They kind of hinted toward him in infinity war. Yeah. Infinity war. He was in yeah. war. And even if you go back as far as, I think it was Iron Man and two, two with the like yeah, blip in the middle ocean. Valid point. But with the subtleties of that, it's like they could have gone anywhere with it. And what the actor was able to do with that character, it really like to me, Namor was like top three 
iconic parts of this movie. Like he was one of the reasons why you want to see, you know, what they do with the storyline, at least this particular, you know, storyline in terms of Wakanda, uh, Atlantis or whatever they decided to call it. I can't remember, but the, this, the transition, the telecon, telecon. Thank you. Um, it was, a they did a lot while also being able to maintain the authenticity that was created. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Like I was thinking about like the difference between movies in the eighties, when you think of like the South centrals and stuff like that, but then you go double down and you look at all the Quentin Tarantino movies that came out all that time. The quality is literally here and here. When you finally give, you know, black people or the black panther the wakanda nation a the ability to say hey man i got all the money for you do what you need to do to make this great and i expected the change from the first black panther movie to the sec to wakanda forever to be almost like a little small change but they they took us in wakanda to such uh, uh, with such more depth than the first one that it almost made you feel like you were there and you can't do that without a real following and a real like respect to the person writing, directing, acting and the belief behind the studio. That's going to allow you to do what you need to do to make something magnificent. And that's what they did. Yeah, you, you both made some really good points, but I'll be remiss before I say anything. Y'all, we have to give Wesley Snipes his flowers for what he did with Blade. Blade is, is A1. If, if Blade was not here, we would not have a Marvel Studios. There would be no MCU. And it's, it's crazy that, yeah. you know, it was a Black, little-known mm-hmm. yeah. character that was able to save them from the brink of bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. <laughs> into what they are now. Yeah. So I, Wesley Snipes hasn't appeared in anything outside of Blade. Blade 3 was a total mess. We don't even want to get into that. But with we know a new Blade movie is coming out. Like Wesley's got to make some type of appearance. There's, I think what I think Wesley needs to be Whisker. That's a conversation for a whole nother. Yeah, we'll go into that some other day, but we're yeah. talking about Wakanda forever now. And what I really like about this movie is that out the gate, like the beginning is probably one of the best. Like it sets up so many things. You feel such a wide array mm-hmm. of emotions just in the beginning. Like you see Shuri trying to save T'Challa's life and we all know what's going on. You know, like that's that's the difference between watching okay. movies in like the 90s and the 80s. And now it's like, you know, this character is dead. You know, it's being portrayed that he dies in the movie. And, you know, for us who fell in love with not just the character of T'Challa, but the actor who is Chadwick Boseman, very emotional scene, knowing that this is going to end poorly. And then turn up the the hype when you see the the, the telecom people attacking the ship and we get that shot of Namor. He's flying from the water and everybody else is stuck and you're like, damn, this is a this is a badass m- motherfucker right here. Like he's he means business. And you know, you alluded to the actor doing such a great job. 
I think the spirit of Chadwick was with this cast because oh, yeah. Angela Bassett, yeah. they turned in some A1 performances. That scene in the beginning when um Queen Romanda is sitting in the in the hall and you're like Wakanda is not weak and they they mm-hmm. bring in the French who tried to steal their vibranium is like look the king isn't here we don't have a black panther but you are not gonna stop us and right. what another thing I loved about this movie just to speak more about Angela Bassett but if you watch the first one it's T'Challa, it's very male-centric, whereas, you know, it's yeah. T'Challa, Everett Ross, Winston yeah. Duke, um, yeah. Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger. But other than that, women are very important. You have the Dora Milaje, yeah. you have Okoye, yeah. uh, Shuri, um, Na- Nakia. Io. This movie did a great job of showing strong, powerful women without it being thrown in your face. Yeah, it was natural. Everything that they were going through is very natural. It wasn't like a Captain Marvel where they're like making all these, Mm -hmm. you know, jokes and at the at the you know making jokes at the the expensive. Yeah, yeah. She Hulk had its moments too, but that was kind of like the vibe they were going for. Like this was, this is this is a this is a leading woman movies yeah it was and it was it was it was done in a a very organic way so absolutely you know it 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 definitely heightened my you know enjoyment of this movie because it's like all these characters and you know even even that even a role that could have been you know a male like the scientists who you Mm -hmm. know created the the machine that can detect the type vibranium you know i was happy that they gave it you know they, they made it a female you know, mm-hmm. I just feel like that role, yeah, it was really so did. strong. Yeah, because it and, and what it did also is as I watch her communicate with Shuri, it created parallels between, yeah. you know, yeah. we have a genius that's in America and we have a genius that's in Wakanda. You know? right. so it was right. really nice to see that parallel, you know, between the two of them. Yeah, very, you know, it was very a female centric movie, but it f- felt good to me. It felt very <laughs> organic and I enjoyed it a lot more because of that. Absolutely. I feel like what Marvel has done very well is taken a lot of, you know, B to C list actors and kind of it's almost like when you have a good coach and on a team, like some coaches can do, you know, can make a, a, a player, a star. Someone can make you the Hall of Fame if you're in the right system. And it felt like they were all in the system with Chadwick as the, you know, post hominis coach to basically say, hey, I believe in y'all. I've seen what y'all can do. Not just go be great. And yeah, everyone. Not only, not only Chadwick, but Ryan Coogler. Ryan you know? Coogler, like, yeah. That's really start like where it is. Like a yeah. man, like we found out later, he had completed the movie, sent a, sent a script over to Chadwick Boseman to read it. And he was just like, you know, you know, I'll get to it later, not knowing that, you know, he's too exactly. to even read the script. And then to have to rewrite a script knowing that not only, you know, one of your main actors that you work with, but yeah. also a close friend has passed and you have to rewrite this script to, you know, include his death and like yeah. still match all these key points. And then remember that it's the MCU and there are certain things you can't do. Is there anything right. you have to do? So big kudos, big shout out to him. You know, like some people liked the movie, some people didn't, some people are in the middle. I feel like just the the task of 
all he was working with to, right. to get this film done. And then it's, it's managing, like, yeah. the different emotions, right? Like, you're hurting. The actors are hurting. You know, like, the audience is going to be hurting. So to to manage all that and put it all together, big shout out to him. Like, mm-hmm. the spirit the spirit was with them all to, to help them get through this one. Oh, yeah. And I think you said something to me not too long ago about, like, how this movie, above all, kind of maintained the same core vibes. It came to the same core feelings as the first, you know, three trilogies. And if, you know, we talking about this being the very finale of the fourth phase. When you look at the first, not trilogy, but you look at the first three phases, the way that they kind of set up their storylines are all very similar. This one is the only one to me in the last phases, all when you include movies and television alike, it was the only one that really kind of held to that, you know, this is a a fanatical interpretation of real life situations, real life occurrences for them to even incorporate Chatwick's death. I've never really seen that in a film before. You don't typically take the character, the actor um, who passed away and incorporate that situation within the story. Case in point, Harrison Ford was now the new Thunderbolt Ross. That happened within like weeks uh, or probably like a week or a couple months after, you know, the OG had passed away, you know, rest in peace. But it's the way that his his energy, his era really kind of I won't say corrupted, but it it, it was embellished within this movie. Um it's just different. And I think that's really what sets it apart from a lot of different films. It didn't just feel like a superhero film. This is a film about struggle. This is a film about challenge and uh, how those challenges can be dealt with in a positive and amicable way, especially when the person who's lit to lead the, the troop is now being pressed with situations that she hasn't yet accepted herself. And I think that's something that everyone has dealt with and the way that they really interpreted it uh, within this the, this time frame was just done so well. Um, I'll take it even back to the the feelings that we have when we first see the Talatanians. That that scene on the ship, we start hearing the sound, and you just start seeing people walk off the boat. Like it struck fear a little bit. Like my I feel it now. It's like my whole body just started to like vibrate. Now, granted, I saw it in theater, so that's what happens, but. That is a director's choice. That's a, you know, that is the sound, the 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 way that the sound slightly ro- arose as things got worse and worse. And despite everything happening, we hadn't seen anybody really be a threat. We don't know why this is happening. We just know that, oh, something is here, not coming. Something is here and it's a problem. Um, I just feel like this movie was just different. Like everything I expected out of uh, Multiverse of Madness and was was missed on hit 100% on this movie. I agree. I, I could not agree more. And also to piggyback on, on your point earlier about this world mirroring uh, real life events, um, let's not forget that this movie was filmed during COVID. So yeah. when you see the movie starts with, you know, Shuri doing her best to save her brother, I'm sure that, you know, that's also parallels to what a lot of families went through across the United States, across the world, when COVID was just taking people out and there was nothing we could do to stop it. So, you know, kudos to the director for, you know, recognizing that not only are we representing Chadwick Boseman's death, but also, you know, you know, what's going on in the world as far as, 
COVID and, you know, just people dying because, you know, we had a pandemic and we lost millions of people. So it was I felt like that was also a nod to what a lot of people went through in the world as well. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely agree with all that that you guys had to say. So I'm going to move it to this phase. Um, Who is everyone's favorite character? Pass it back to the guest. Wow. Um, See, that's a that's a really tough question because yeah, there are so many great there are so many great characters in here. Um, but if I had to pick just one, I'm probably gonna go with the villain, mm-hmm. you know, off this movie, um, Namor, because my favorite villains are usually characters that are not really villains. You know, yes, I didn't agree with what he wanted to do to the surface world, but I feel like his reasons, and when you look at, I like, I love the fact that this movie did not gloss over his origins. Yeah, it took you way back to what was going on, you know, with his mom and how they were being colonized and how they took the plant, you know, because it was their only way to escape the situation and how it affected him. And you know, he grew up as kind of like, you know, part he he had the ability to breathe in the, in the surface world, but also the ability to breathe underwater. And then when he came back to bury his mom, it was like he was shot by what he was seeing. Because I think being a child of both, I think when he went back to the surface world, that's when he realized, you know, I really don't belong here because mankind sees me as a demon. Right. The guy even said, said to him, you know, you are a child without love. And that's where his name, Namor, came from. So a very deep character. You know, I definitely feel like he's one of the MCU's best villains. Yeah. And kudos to the actor, the, you know, the way he portrayed him, because that's a difficult character to portray, because if you look at Namor, the way he's been represented in the comic books, sometimes he's represented. It's, it's a little silly, right? It's a guy yeah. with tiny wings and he walks around in a Speedo and everything. So, you know, the, kudos to him for, you know, a, a very serious interpretation and not only serious, but believable. You know, yeah. it, Namor it w- would get my vote for, for best character. You know, and uh, Mbaku is is a close second. You know, that guy's just hilarious. He steals, yeah. he steals every scene he's in. Oh yeah, like, name more for me. Codename? Do you do you have a different one? Because if not, I'm gonna piggyback off of this this name more bandwagon we riding. I actually do. Um, I'm gonna oh, give it to me, I'm gonna give it to Queen the Queen. Well, let me well let me piggyback off this name. My bad, I said go do your thing, do your thing. I'll... Yeah. So I'm also gonna have to go with name more for this and. It's important because this movie came out around the same time as another superhero movie, Black Adam. Adam, yeah. And the whole time, you know, The Rock is like, you know, Black Adam's an anti-hero. You know, he's not a villain. And I'm watching the movie and I'm like, you're you're a hero. Iron Man killed more people in his movie than you did. So like you're 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 not an anti-hero. Namor, Namor is an anti-hero. He has his own version of justice. He 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 spoke what he was going to do. And you can't blame a man for wanting to protect his people, especially for as long as he's been doing it. And the in the comics, you know, he's I believe he's roughly like a regular age person he's not as old as he is now like we're talking hundreds of years old in this and he's been their protector since he was a child and you see 
the society, like everything that he's built there. Like, yeah, I would I would also go tooth and nail to defend it, because as the beginning of the movie showed. If you're not in Wakanda and you're an outsider, you're they're, they're coming for the vibranium. I, I, I totally get where he's coming from. The only thing I didn't understand was at this point, you don't need to kill Riri. I understand you're mad at her, but she's not coming for the vibranium. Like you need to get with the people who are actually coming for the vibranium. But I was more upset with Nakia for killing the the, the girl when she when she saved Shuri than Namor's defense. He he was very diplomatic in his approach, even when approaching the Queen and Shuri in the earlier phases of the movie. And he let them know, hey, if you do this, I'm going to be back. And he, he came back. I, Yeah, to the very end. Even at the end of the movie, after losing to Shuri, I'd get to that later, but <laughs> he's still looking out for his people. And yeah, he's an, he's an ally, but we know he has his motives. He has his plans and... Uh, I'm excited to see more Namor. Very disappointed we couldn't see the uh, Black Panther, T'Challa versus Namor. But, you know, this is, we got some great stuff. The code name. Now you can talk about and the, the beautiful Angela Bassett and Queen Ramonda. No, I think I, I agree with both of y'all, Sam. I mean, like the way that, he was portrayed the way that he operated is like, I can't say that in a situation that, you know, I wouldn't operate the same way because it shows that as soon as the black Panther was, was gone, they were all up in Wakanda trying to do stuff. Now, of course they got quelled immediately, but I don't see the, not that the, the Atlantis, the Talakanians weren't capable of protecting themselves, but their understanding of what was on the real was on the outside world is a little bit different than what the Wakandans have to deal with because they've dealt with it before. Like you could stop at claw and say, they've seen colonizers try. Um, so for Namor to take matters into his own hands and basically be like, Hey man, we could band together and we can make something shake or I'm gonna have to come after you. Cause it is what it is. I do completely agree as well. It is a little bit, I think it's a little bit soft to go after Riwi's just simply because she built the machine. <laughs> if you know that, like at that point, she hasn't pressed it since then, then you just got to acknowledge, okay, this is just a smart person doing what smart people do, make proven others wrong. But to double down to what I was saying, I'm like, who I believe that, you know, my favorite character was Queen Mother, Ramonda. Her amount of strength throughout this entire movie really painted a picture of what a black woman or a woman in power should be, because she wasn't the fighter. She wasn't necessarily she was diplomatic, but she was diplomatic when that ne when necessary. And I the way she was, I believe she could hold her own, though, I think she they, probably could scrap. That's I think so. I think so. I don't feel like the king ain't just gonna marry some random off the streets. I feel like that was a little. I feel like she could handle her own if she needed to, if, if necessary. I give her that. Um, but 
the, what she was willing to set aside in order to protect what she loved and whom she loved. And I thought one of the best moments was that conversation with the Koye because it is a when she kicked her out because it's a moment that really tells you how she's been dealing with things and how she's truly viewing things. She has seen so much loss and handled it so gracefully. That was the first time that she broke in a way. That was the first time she really snapped on someone. And at first, like you watching, it's like, hey, man, but she's been here for you. And then you have the question, but she was supposed to be protecting they first came to Chaka. She was supposed to protect T'Challa. She was supposed to protect Shuri. And she failed on all three. And to then basically say, hey, man, you're supposed to trust me because I'm your leader. What what actions do I have to trust you in this moment? At this point, you have gone against my word knowing what I have been through. And it's like, no one really acknowledges it. And at that point, it's like, sure. She's essentially standing up for like how she feels in the moment. It's like, dang, you have been taking the brunt force of everything that's happening. And you still will set aside how you feel in this moment to try to protect the person who, you know, is going to cause the rest of your people turmoil simply because she's a target. I, I feel like the way that she carried herself in this movie and the way that she's been carrying herself, it, it really painted a different picture. Now, granted, it's Angela Bassett, so you know she's going to knock it out of the park, but like I'll, I'll, I'll stand firm on the way that she treat, treated this, what is supposedly a superhero franchise and brings you so much of a emotion and energy to this situation where you just truly see it with grace and strength. And like I said, even in her slight break, you, you can't be mad at it. Um, I, mean, I feel like you can. And I feel like that's what also makes this a good movie that we can have these conversations because T'Chaka's death wasn't on a Koye. Like, Not necessarily. T'Challa no. carried the brunt of that because he was acting as Black Panther. He was actually supposed to be the one to protect T'Chaka. T'Challa got sick. That's 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 boss. That's Okoye. <laughs> boss said, come on. <laughs> it's that time. Okoye couldn't do anything about that. And Shuri, that's, that's the one that infuriates me the most because as Shuri's mother, you know how she is. Yeah. Okoye, and especially at that time. Okoye was constantly trying to put Shuri in these situations that would protect her. Shuri got caught because of nobody but Shuri. But as a parent and as you know, just looking from outside how much pain and grief. If you look at every single Black Panther movie, this woman has been hurt somehow, wow. some way. Every mm-hmm. single time. Okoye has, has just been the punching bag. I understand why she would retaliate the way she did, because it, it wasn't her fault. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, that's it, that's a very human aspect. Like, that's something that's written, but it's, you can understand it. You understand it. I see. I see it like, hey, queen, you need to chill. You see it as damn right. You keep failing. You fucked up. So. But 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 what I would double down to say is this: do, though I do see where Okoye was in the wrong, because at the end of the day, if you're a quarterback, you're supposed to throw touchdowns. I don't care if there are any other applications that may prevent you from that. You have a job. You're supposed to do it. Okoye is your general. Mm-hmm. 
if she's put in these positions and she's supposed she she has a task that she's supposed to complete, regardless of what challenges she may face in the process of that, as that general, this is what you're supposed to do. And there are times, and I'll lean to this one alone. When Killmonger came in and said, hey, I need people on my side, where was Okoye? Now, granted, she was following her duties. At that point, she's following her duties, but that's why I would say that was probably the most egregious thing, and that's where she could finally say, hey, man, I'm, I could bounce back on you. But... <laughs> To take that a little bit further, I think it also does paint a picture to who Okoye is because she can see herself in that moment and not say, dang, man, F this, I'm going to go trade sides or F this, I'm going to go do whatever, whatever, which we've seen happen in a lot of situations. Heck, I'll take it as far as heck and F and you got served. When Sonny knew he wasn't splitting money, he switched sides. <laughs> That's not what Okoye did. She doubled down, became stronger and said basically, OK, you know what? She was right. Regardless if there were other implications that prevented me from completing my task. It was still my task to complete. How can I do better? How can I better myself in order to get to a point where this never happens again? So she separates herself from the position that was essentially hindering her from being as great as she was. And to even take it further, she goes after Antiope, who she knows is like, she questioned is like, why are you in the door, Melaje? This isn't your personality at all. Like, join me. Let, let's let's do what we do best. And that, to me, it just, it really encompasses the whole situation, the whole scenario as a whole. It kind of, Okoye needed that moment to grow. Because at that point, she was just a part of it. She was just a part of it. Like you said, she's just a, she's just a punching bag. At some point in time, you got to slide out of the way and decide what it is that you're going to do to be better, to improve, to, uh, you know, to, to pull yourself to the next level, because in order for Wakanda to get to the next stage, everybody's got to grow a bit. Everybody's got to improve. I mean, uh, most of all, Shuri had to improve. And I think the only person who could really get through to her in that sense was like to me, like the big sister Okoye and, and Nakia. But because Nakia at this point was kind of removed from the situation, there wasn't much that she could really do. That's why when I think of the most kind of emotional moment was when Shuri and Nakia finally met again and were able to kind of like communicate about how they were both feeling about the situation. Because I got to think above anybody outside of Ramonda, those are the two that T'Challa's death hurt the most. Absolutely. And, um, and one, just one more thing on Okoye. During my two viewings of this movie, I saw things a little different. The first time I watched the movie, I felt like Queen Ramonda was being unreasonable. And I just, I was just shocked. I was like, how could you do that? You know, how could yeah. you strip over titles and all that? On the second watch, I felt like I understood it a lot more because then I started looking at it. Okay, but as a parent, uh-huh. If something happens to your child, you're not being you're I'm not going to say, well, you know, you have protected us in the past and you've done all this. It's it's I'm going to be like, OK, what have you done for me lately? Remember now, I told you not to take her. You assured me she would be safe, be safe. And then all of a sudden you come back without her. And the only thing and think about this, the only thing you're telling me now is let's go back and do the exact same thing we did before. Some some I guess Queen Ramonda is saying, you know what, at a certain point, I know that you are willing to die for the cause, but that's not always the answer. Sometimes in a battle as a general, you've got to be able to say, you know, what, we're losing this one. Let's pull back. Yep. Just just to preserve life. 
And I feel like Okoye at the time, she was like full speed ahead. I'm willing to die. But Queen Ramonda is like, haven't we had enough death? You know, at a certain point, you may, you may want to like reel it back a little bit and reload Have I not lost again. everything? Like Exactly. So that's why she time. went out and she was like, I've lost everything. And because of your actions, I don't know if I'm ever going to see my daughter again. So in that moment, I was like, you know what? I understand it a little bit better now. Yeah, and it makes sense. Makes a lot of sense from from that from that standpoint. I want to talk about two things. The first thing is the fight scenes, which I believe were beautifully choreographed. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love the way the Dora Milaje used their weapons. Um, every Okoye fight, you know, even when Shuri was able to get into the Black Panther suit, mm-hmm. uh, when she was fighting with um, Namor toward the end of the movie. Uh, I wish I could have seen a little bit more from M'Baku, though. I'm not going to lie. I'm still waiting was, for yeah. M'Baku to really, like, show his strength. You know, we haven't yeah. seen him win a fight, really. For somebody who is now the king of Wakanda, mm-hmm. you know, you, you want to have a little bit more showing from him. And I feel like this movie sidelined him a bit. It did. In favor for the, you know, the majority of the female cast. And I feel like that's just how the script ended up lying down. Mm-hmm. I feel like in the third one, with him being in this position of power, I don't know if that'll make him more of a figurehead or if we're finally going to see him get to use that imposing stature that Winston Duke brings to the table, because really he just, you know, he talked a lot of smack about Namor and his little and he stepped to him. Yeah. You got to give it to him. He stepped to him. I mean, he, Hey man, he, he, I love how overconfident he was. I mean, he kept to call Namor the fish man. Yeah, he was like, you know, if, if if my guys were there, you know, the fishman would be all tied up, you know. And then they ask him, how how would you handle this? Yeah, we find the fishman and we kill him. Simple. <laughs> you know? but, then, but, but but then but then it's like there that I got to give him props because he got to see this fishman up up close and personal, and this fishman was tossing space, you know, airships like they were nothing, you yeah, know. And he was so ripping true. through metal and everything, and then. Hey, Not man, just metal, ripping through vibranium. vibranium. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, that's when I guess, you know, he realized, oh, this guy is just as strong as the Hulk. You know what I'm saying? Right, it's like, right. man. And, and I still pain. and I still stepped to him, yeah, you know, yeah. and I took a punch in the chest. I mean, when I fir- when I first saw this movie and I saw that punch and I saw his 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 armor, like Umbaku's armor basically collapsed. I was like, is he dead? Because <laughs> right. it's like a- I thought he was dead. And then I saw him like, you know, he flies across the screen and then he lands and then you see him kind of, you know, exhale. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness he's fine. But you might want to just, yeah, don't, don't, they, don't press anymore. Good right. thing that wasn't a bare chest. Yeah, man. Good thing. I, I think we got robbed a little bit of not getting a chance to see M'Baku in a Tuma fight. I feel like the, the two, you know, powerhouses in a sense outside of Namor, because I put Namor in his own tier. Um, I feel like there there was a moment that should have been had. Like I think that would have been a little bit easier for us to see why they're going to catapult Mbaku to the position of king. It just makes to me it makes a little more sense outside of his diplomatic understanding of things. 
like allow us to see that he can also take care of himself. Like if he if he gets hit like that by Namor, that's Namor. Hmm. He's stronger than the rest of them. But if he fights Atuma and Atuma's been like laying waste to the whole to, to every all the door of Malaje, and then Mbaku steps in and we finally get a chance to see him, you know, the reason why you feel confident enough to stand up to T'Challa powers or not and succeed. Like it, it it gives us a little more to hope for as opposed to like giving us that, you know, that finger crossed that he doesn't just become a figurehead. Well, it, this, a lot of the characters and what kind of kind of subvert your expectations, you know, like yeah. Okoye, like she is the fighter, you know, like yeah. that's, that's her fight. Absolutely. She, you know, she's like this, you know, young, young punk, but smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Book smart, at least. <laughs> and you have somebody like M'Baku, like, Come on, like go go back to the first movie. He was like, "We're vegetarians," like <laughs> you know what I mean. And for as imposing as he was, he had the clearest head. Of In a lot of these situations, he was talking to Sherry, and again, somebody who's gone through so much pain. In the span of two movies, she's lost. Well, every movie she's been in, because we could take it, we could include um, Infinity War. Infinity War. You know, I think I think she was dusted. Yeah, her and both of them are. You know, she lost Chaka. She lost Chala. She lost her mother. So for M'Baku to kind of like put that in her head, you know, like they don't say he's a, a king. They don't call him general. This is their God. This is going to be so much war. We're going to be fighting mm-hmm. each other, and the colonizers are going to be for, taking for generations. Yep. Whoever is there. So I'm okay with it. I just want to see more of it because it's something that we just get bits and pieces of. We haven't really yes. seen a full fight since he fought T'Challa on uh, Challenge. I thought it You know, it really was it. The second thing I want to get into is the inconsistency with Vibranium. Because it, <laughs> it can do any and everything, but it's never around when you need it. Queen Ramonda, you know you're going to war with these fish people because Nakia killed one of theirs to get Sherry. Mm-hmm. You know this is happening. She's always wearing vibranium something. You know, they've got the beads it's in their hairdressers, it's in their clothing. Why do you not have some type of vibranium apparatus that's going to let you breathe underwater if you know these people are coming and you know what type of water bombs and... Water, water is their thing. You need to not drown. Why are you not equipped for this? I understand Sherry's not there. You have to have other. Somebody's got to yeah. know to have vibranium. Put it in your mouth so you can breathe on the water. You know what I'm saying? Something <laughs> gotta happen. You know, everybody's gonna be just eating heart shaped herb flakes in the morning or something. Man. Yeah, this, this is something that we see this a lot in movies, don't we? Yeah. Where we have a director and we have a script and we're trying to get to a certain outcome. So sometimes we have to bend the laws of physics or sometimes 
you have to suspend your disbelief because some things are just so ridiculous. But it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll take it back to Batman v Superman for, for a second. Mm-hmm. Completely, you know, different movie, you know, DC. But here's one thing about that movie that still grates on my nerves to this day. We needed Batman to win that fight, right? That was the outcome. So we're going to twist some things now to make sure that happens. Like, for instance, Superman has been thoroughly gassed with the kryptonite gas. He knows what it does to him. It weakened him, right? He started recovering. He started whooping Batman. And then Batman starts preparing. He starts reloading another canister. And Superman sees that. And he's like, I'm going to fly right into that. <laughs> and I'm going to get gassed again. And then Batman can just beat my ass. Right. Right. It's and like, it's like perfect. <laughs> so, so now we go back to Black Panther and it's like, why don't we have apparatus where they can breathe underwater and everything? Because we needed Queen Ramunda. We needed to get to that moment where it's it's all, you know, dramatic and she passes mm-hmm. away because she drowned. And we needed to get to that. So it's like that's why they didn't have those things, because she needed to die. And it needed to be at Namor's hand so that Shuri could be fired up and say, you know what, I'm going, I'm going at you 100%. And even at the end of the movie, we're not quite sure. Is she, is she going to kill him or is she going to spare him? Because right, right. she's fueled by the loss of her mom. Yeah. And fueled by the loss of our mom and governed by the ideals of Killmonger. But she yeah. didn't see her brother in the, in the ancestral plane so it it just kind of gives you an idea of where her mindset was but i'll double down to what y'all saying um it there are to me in some cases they do keep in mind of the actors or actresses that are playing these roles and to be quite frank i haven't yet to see or even believe that angela bassett even in shows like American Horror Story, which is all about the killing and stuff, she doesn't die in any disrespectful or grandiose or gruesome ways. So I think in, in this particular case, though it don't really make a whole lot of sense that he could throw a water bomb and she just drown, drown saving a life. I then have to go back to say, well, what other way could she have gotten killed and we would have appreciated it and not be like, oh, we don't want to see that. Because if he hits her with that spear when he initially <laughs> tried, I'm killing Namor. I don't care. You just speared my mama in front mm-hmm. of my whole country. Mm-hmm. I got to off you now. So for her to more die on her own volition, I'm saving a life to I'm giving my life to protecting another. It just changes the whole ideals. And I think even um, Shuri would see that as a situation is like, I know, yes, you were the cause of my mother's death. But in truth, my mother made a sacrifice that I'm going to eventually have to make myself. I think it just completely changes the belief and the ability of reprieve. Because like I said, if you, if you throw a spear in a queen's stomach in front of the whole country, it, it, it's murder, murder, kill, kill. Like that's it. Like this. Like, <laughs> wanted to do, and that's why I like Namor. And, yeah, and I'll, I'll double down to it. I don't think they really respected how men, how like what kind of person he was. I, I mean, why would? Why would? Yeah, yeah. It's just like you don't know any better at that point. Yeah. You you defeated everybody who's tried. As he's a man. Of, he's a man of his word. We got to give him that because he. Yeah. Remember what I what I love about Namor for better or worse, he does exactly what he says he's going to do. He told you 
these are my terms. If you don't abide by my terms, I'm bringing my army and there will be death. There will be losses. And what happened? They violated the terms. And he's like, listen, I promised you that I was going to do this. And I did it. And then, and then what I, what I, what I applaud about him is when he accomplished his goal, he said to Shuri, you're queen now. And then he left. Yep. So, <laughs> like so, a cheat. So, so, it, so it's like, <laughs> I sent my message. I could do a lot more because I've already proven. You could have killed her right there. Exactly. Oh, he but it's like, you know how you could kill somebody, but you're like, I already sent my message. Yeah. I don't need to do it right, anymore. I'm gone now. Think about what I just did. Yeah. So and that was it. Like a real G. Yeah, because at that point, it's like, yo, we could still do it my way. Exactly. And, you know, you got to think, like, he was very diplomatic, this whole process. Like, I understand, like, he's going after Riri. That has nothing to do with Wakanda. They they got in the middle of that, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Sherry ended up being taken. She was protected. You know, there were scenes. There was like almost like a a romance between these two. Yeah. Like he showed her he reversed Aladdin. He showed her a whole (laughs) underneath and she was protected. She she left there with what she needed to make the synthetic herb. Like Mm -hmm. you talk about an anti-hero, like he helped out the good people while still trying to do what he believed was good. And Wakanda, they, they, they caused the first bloodshed. That's true. You know? That's true. They did because Nakia did kill someone she, under his protection. So then that puts a lot of pressure on you as a leader. It's like, yeah. are you really going to let, you know, a foreign nation invade our, our, um, our sanctity? Kill someone and get away with it. It's almost right, like right. you have to go to war at that you point. Have you have to, yeah. They, they show a force. Otherwise, Namor is going to have hell to pay with his own people. Absolutely, and you said it best, Gareth. The, the Gareth, he's a, he's a man of his word. So if he's telling that to y'all, and y'all it's the first time y'all meeting him, you what you think he's talking to them about every day? Exactly. I will protect y'all in any situation where there's someone that's come like coming for y'all. Come to me. I will make sure you're okay. Akumbaku said they call him Kuku Khan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. God. He's their God. So we mentioned um, some deleted scenes earlier. After this break, we're going to talk about some more deleted scenes and what we want to see in the upcoming Black Panther movie. So we'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Welcome back. We're talking Wakanda forever. We talked real good about the bulk of the movie. You guys saw, you know what happens. But now we're talking about what you didn't see and what you might see in the future. Have you guys seen the Okoye deleted scene? Mm-mm. So, you know, go out there on YouTube, check it out. Um, she was actually presented with the opportunity to be queen. Really? Really, like we say, this movie is long. It could have been longer. <laughs> wow. I, I'm looking forward to checking out all the deleted scenes. That's the only one that I've like skimmed through so far. Mm-hmm. But you know, they also mentioned why her husband in the first one wasn't in it. You know, Dan Kaluuya's character. You know, he's still in in jail. Yeah. But we could also talk about what the movie was going to be like 
if Chadwick Boseman had not passed because Ryan Cooler did mention that the movie was going to be, you know, about grief. And ironically, it still had to be about grief. It was about, you know, T'Challa coming back after being dusted and having lost all that time, Mm. not being able to, you know, help his people. And imagine him having to carry that weight of being gone for so long. And now you have this new threat. Mm. So I, I really wish we we could have gotten to see that film. How do yeah. you how do you guys feel T'Challa's um, T'Challa's version of that film would have played out? The last fight scene would have been a way better. Not that it was bad, but you know we talked about it. Shuri was not that she wasn't a fighter. But her predominant role has never been, I'm going to kick your ass. It's been, let me figure out the way to win this fight. I feel like with T'Challa, he brings a little bit of both levels of that. And I feel like for the first time, they kind of even explain how the reason that Shuri got into what she was doing is because of T'Challa. They haven't really, they, they never really painted a picture that T'Challa was the genius that he truly was in the comic books. So I think in the very end, knowing that the movie's about grief, had they still gone with the idea of Ramonda dying for whatever particular reason, it could have made that work. I think we would have seen so much of a transition of him going from the King and Black Panther, because we get that, but we don't get that, if you know what I mean. Like in the very first one, his transition to King takes the entire movie, but we never see him rule. We never see like how his changes, which he had already made within, you know, Infinity War Endgame. We don't see how that interpretation of those changes now incorporate within the rule of the country because he was dusted before it was even like really manifested. Then the five years pass and it's like, you go back and I would have loved to see how is he now going to translate from something from changes that he made five years ago. Those changes just have to play themselves out. And then now he has to now become the, you know, men, certain things that may have, you know, gone awry or, you know, delete some ideas that he may have thought were the right decisions like it just would have it would have been so much of a transition transitional movie within like what he's doing versus there's a threat it needs to be dealt with that you know but i'm still dealing with grief over here i think the i think the the general vibe would have been a little bit different gareth what do you think you know uh all valid points and you know, let me add to that, that I really wish we could have seen it because, you know, it would have meant that Chadwick Boseman is still with us. Yeah. You know, so that's the biggest reason I wish we could have seen it. I think they did a great job in pivoting with the script. You know, yeah. you know, my hat's off to Ryan Coogler for the job. He did an amazing job because I know that could not have been easy. Um, but what would I have loved to see with that movie? I mean, the idea of being gone for five years and coming back and trying to reintegrate yourself with your previous life. Yeah. I mean, that, that would have been really fascinating. I mean, for any of us, if we went away for five years and came back, who knows what would have changed, right? Maybe, maybe you had a spouse, maybe they've moved on. I mean, there would have been so many different things you would have had to grapple with, but you know, being the ruler of Wakanda, it would have made it even harder. So I would have loved to see just a little more introspection, you know, like as far as, what he's dealing with and 
um, it would have been cool just to see him assert himself because we already saw in this movie, we got a, a little snapshot of what the rest of the world does. Yeah. Once that throne ha- has been vacant, right? Exactly. Like, the world just starts rubbing their hands together. Like, all right, we're going to get in there. We're going to get all this vibranium. So it would have been interesting to see if those things played out in his absence and how he would have reasserted himself as the ruler of Wakanda. Do you feel like there would have been more threats within the process of that five years? Like, like maybe they'd have given us, you know, more of Latveria. Maybe we'd got like pseudo signs of Doctor Doom. Like, do you or do you feel like they would have let it happen and then we just see the repercussions of it? Do you feel like it? Because I mean, we, the French did it, but if he's there and you have a bigger threat you don't have to go you don't necessarily have to even go with namor yet mm-hmm. or you don't necessarily have to make it where namor is the end-all be-all villain namor could just be a catalyst or uh, someone who is uh, impacted by a situation that's been happening for over the last couple of years now yeah. you feel like that would have been a change I, I i could definitely see that and i love the point that you made about dr doom because i would have loved to see dr doom emerge as a threat yeah. and then maybe you could have segued from that into the new fantastic four movie yeah. Because Dr. Doom is he's a problem for everyone, yeah. but everybody knows that he's especially a problem for the Fantastic Four. So it would have been a good transition to show, OK, Dr. Doom is out there. He's up to no good. And then when the Fantastic Four come along, you kind of show that conflict and how it yeah. continues. And I feel like part of the reason why I say that, sorry to cut you off, Chris, is because even use of uh, I can't remember her name. I always forget her name. But uh, the chick that was on the boat that the Talakonians uh took over the chick that was in the helicopter that's dr doom's mayor or that's she's part of their government so like to even have ties to dr doom mm-hmm. and not be fully be able to go in it like latveria is not mentioned there's no signs yeah. you just have to know who the person is by name and i feel like if you have more if you can dig more into that threat you can embellish upon these characters you don't just have to have all that name and like the the real nerds really know who she was mm-hmm See, I didn't even pick up on that. So a good catch. I had to go back because I saw her. I heard her name. I was like, something about you, like your character, the way that you're presenting yourself has too much weight. Who are you really? And then when I did my research, I was like, okay, this is their tie to Dr. Doom. But even then, it's so subtle that he it 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 gives you a nugget and it's gone. Because after that, you don't really get any more, you know, traction to that whole storyline or a potential storyline. What do you think, Chris? I mean, for that part, you see a lot of it through Everett Ross and um, surprise, his ex-wife. Um, yeah. God, what's her name? Valentina. The, the director, yeah, the Fontaine. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's crazy because... She's one of those characters where if you haven't been like watching the shows and, you know, she only showed up again, like what, at the end of Black Widow. Yeah. So, like, she's popping up. It's like, who is this woman? Mm-hmm. And that just shows like how much Marvel and Disney have made this so connected. Mm-hmm. We won't see her again until probably the Thunderbolts. Yeah, she's only made what two two real appearances. She made an appearance at the end of Captain Captain America, Black mm-hmm. Widow, um, and um, and Hawkeye to some extent. Yeah, I think I think uh, yes, in Hawkeye. So the, she's only been shown three times, and we only see her when she's tied to one of the 
quote unquote anti heroes or potential anti heroes. So another thing that this movie did good, it felt isolated as like a sequel mm-hmm. for Black Panther. There wasn't a lot of you know. We didn't see any of the other superheroes at T'Challa's funeral. Like they didn't call for any Avengers when they needed help. Yeah. You know, Wakanda handled it on their own. But we do know that Riri Williams is going to show up in Iron War. Um, uh, Valentina, whatever, something, something. She's going to be in the Thunderbolts. So. It still's got that MCU element to it to where mm-hmm. we're back at, you know, this movie when we're ex- when we're exploring other movies, yeah. other properties in the future, mm-hmm. especially Iron Wars, you know, having oh, that, yeah. you, know, you know, black folk, black main characters. But just to go back to Dr. Doom, I remember there being a lot of rumors that he was the one inciting the war between Wakanda and um, Namor and his people. And in hindsight, I'm glad they didn't go that route because it does keep the movie more isolated. And it's like, you have like this amazing tribute just to, you know, don't muck it up with the the MCU-ness of it to where it's like, you have to watch this movie to understand what's going on in the next one. And, you know, the ending of this movie, having, you know, there's a new T'Challa out there. I, I probably told both of you this already. Throw his little ass in the quantum zone. <laughs> Let him grow up. Grown <laughs> man. Give us, king, give us King T'Challa. Have yeah. him beat M'Baku. I don't care how he yeah. learned to fight. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me T'Challa back, and we can yeah. do that now. And yeah. the casting, like that little boy, he smiles like Chadwick Boseman. He's he does. Like <laughs> he does. Yeah. You know, might want to get a DNA test on that one, man. Y'all got some type of kin. Maybe that's a little brother or something. But got to be a cousin or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think they did a good job with that too. Like at first, like I was like, man. I, I don't know if I wanted him to be seven years old, but when you think about how the MCU works, like even knowing that Secret Wars is on the way, what's to say that there's not a, a universe that's like time-wise ahead of where they are? And, you know, maybe he comes back as homeboy that plays in Snowfall. I'm just saying like a dark black dude that looked kind of similar to the kid. But um, this this creates the ability to recast him and in such a more organic way where you don't necessarily need to recast it's we know it's his son we know where he comes from we know where he's been um it creates a lot more freedom to just kind of determining okay who is he outside of saying you know we got to get somebody else to replay this role and do it the same way Chadwick did knowing that's going to be a stretch and difficult to do in itself um and then just to think like something that we have been getting glimpses of over and over again is Young Avengers. Young Avengers could have their own Black Panther. Um, look, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, just a quick point. Something that you guys talked about earlier that we didn't get to see in this movie that I just thought of. Well, now that we do have T'Challa's son, and we always talked about that big showdown with him and Namor that we didn't get to see, well, let's think about this. Unlike other characters, Namor ages really slowly. 
So mm. long after he comes to, you know, young T'Challa comes to the throne and he's ruling, Namor's still going to be around. So who's to say that they don't clash in the future? You, know, and you to, might get, you might get to, that throwdown after all. You're absolutely right. And to piggyback off that, just based on like the last interactions we saw with Namor in the movie, he wasn't necessarily... He, he one didn't really lose. He still got what he wanted. And he's not, he hasn't really given up on his beliefs of the situation. He's just readjusting so that it, he can actually obtain what he needs to obtain. Maybe in the process of doing that, he may decide, let me get some help. Maybe he orchestrated, maybe to say, you know, to go based on what you were saying, Chris, instead of Dr. Doom orchestrating the situation, maybe he orchestrates something against Liberia and Wakanda. He knows where they are. Not a lot of people can even say that. Like, mm-hmm. How many, you know, big time countries could say, hey, man, I'm about to pull up on Wakanda. You know, fine. I don't, I don't yeah. think we're going to get Dr. Doom or the Fantastic Four for a while, just from like nah. the way they've been talking. And, you know, they, they've got this movie coming out. Um, God, not Secret Invasion, but we, we know we know the plan is for them to have this huge crossover. They've got pretty much all their properties at this point. Oh, Secret Wars is coming. Like Secret Wars is gonna be nuts. Well, Secret Wars, that's it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Secret Wars. It would be a a, a multiverse thing. Secret Secret was Secret Wars or that Secret Invasion? There's two. Secret Invasion is the show with Samuel L. Jackson. Secret yeah, exactly. Wars is the or is it is it the Secret Wars is basically the it's that because it's the one before Kang Dynasty. Um but I think it is Secret Wars. I'd have to look. Give me a second. Well, just um, like whatever, whatever movie that happens where you can have Fox X-Men and Fox mm-hmm. Fantastic Four. Like you can have um gosh, what's his name? You can have Chris Evans. Is he gonna show up as <laughs> Human <laughs> Torch and Captain America? It's like right, you know, yeah. because like, Cap, remember Cap's an old man now, you know, like yep. you can CGI him, or you could just yep. have him voice Johnny Storm and he's always in like the flame on. That's mode. true. There are ways around it. You know, we can get um Ang Lee's hope. We can get so many different characters that can pop up. And a lot of it is going to be on them cashing on on this nostalgia. Is the closest thing I can think of is when um, the CW did um, one of their um, more recent crossovers. Uh, Gareth, which which one was that? Where they had um, the Crisis, Crisis and Infinite Earths, I believe. Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. And yeah. When when you had like multiple versions of of each character and the Superman. Uh, I believe um, we had Tyler Hecklings, um Superman met up with Brandon Rouse Superman, which was a moment which just blew my mind because, you know, we haven't really seen anything from uh, Chris, uh, Brandon Rouse Superman ever since Superman Returns. Yeah, and he is the Adam now, so. Mm-hmm. So that was one of those cases where you have an actor playing two different um, characters from two different worlds. Yeah, it's we can see so much and we can also get like new interpretations from you know characters we've never seen before that could have been around this whole time kind of like in uh dr strange and the multiverse of madness when we saw the the different strangers like we can meet different you know characters that we've grown to know and love Look oh absolutely 
real uh, it's, it, it's i mean it, the promise of all that is just a beautiful thing and i am so happy that marvel has all their 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 properties back because yeah. now it brings me back to my childhood, right? One of the things that I used to love the most, you know, with the Marvel, the Marvel comic books was at any point, you never knew who else could pop up in another comic book, right? Because all the, the, the whole world, it felt like all the action was happening in New York and everybody just kind of was a stone's throw away from the other one. So a lot of times you would have the X-Men pop up against the Avengers or, you know, Fantastic Four, you'd have characters drop in like Spider-Man or whoever. So I'm looking forward to that kind of shared universe. But now we're going to have it on a more global sense because before everything was shared, but there was no X-Men, there was no Fantastic Four. Now that everything is into the fold, I can't wait to see how the interactions are between all these characters. You know, what are the Avengers going to be like when they interact with the X-Men or the X-Men when they interact with the Fantastic Four? It's going to be really, really cool. And I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's definitely going to be great. I, I think the multiverse is the future of comic book movies. You know, where DC is kind of doing it now where they've got, you know, their DC Elseworlds and then they have a main like DC. I guess they're calling it a DCU, I guess, continuity, whatever they've got yeah. going on there. That's an episode for another day. Yeah, but, lots lots to talk yeah. about there, you know, with the, with the takeover at DC and DC actually has a plan now, which, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of vibing. So I look forward to, to that show, man, because, you know, we've we've got a lot to cover there, you know, between. Oh, yeah. and, and, and it looks like, you know, it looks like the the Arrowverse is, is wrapping up right now. You know, the Flash is coming back and, you know, it's going to be gone after that. Uh, Superman and Lois, who knows how much longer that show has got, because I feel like they're kind of wiping the slate. So I think, I think that was already announced that it's ending. If I'm not yeah. mistaken. I think I think it's going to end pretty. It's good. It's coming back for his third season. You know, I'd be I'd be surprised if it went beyond that. Yes, code name had to hop off the call here. I uh, hope everything is going well with him. But we're going to wrap this up with one final question. What do you want to see in Black Panther three? Black Panther three. Uh First thing that pops uh, here, here's what I would love to see some kind of time jump, mm. some kind of time jump with, you know, I, I mean, and, and it, and it doesn't even have to be like a really radical time jump because who knows the kids, what, like seven at this point or something like that. Six or seven. Yeah. So if he's like six or seven, if you, you know, he doesn't have to be in his twenties, but you know, maybe a time jump to when he's like 16, 17, something like that. You know, which would only be a time jump of 10 years. If the movie comes out three years later, then you're looking at a time jump of maybe only seven years. So something like that, that kind of speeds up his aging so that by the time we see him, maybe there's a lot going on in Wakanda and, you know, we get to see him do some stuff. I would love if we could actually see him take the mantle as Black Panther. Don't know if we're going to see it, but I would love to see that. And um, yeah, more Mbaku would be nice. You know, I just feel like, you know, Winston Duke is such an amazing actor. And I feel like every scene he's in, even though we didn't get a lot of him in this movie, but I felt like he stole every scene he was in. You know, mm-hmm. great guy. He, he's imposing. He's great in the action scenes. And he has like a really good sense of humor, too. I feel like, you know, he's he's always got that tone of voice where every time he says something, it's automatically funny. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, definitely want to see Ryan Coogler come back as director. And yeah, I just, one of the biggest things I hope they're able to do is hold on to the cast, you know, hold on to the same cast that they had and bring everyone back. 
Because sometimes you bring a movie back for the third movie and you've lost a lot of the cast and it kind of loses that charm, that magic. So hopefully they're able to bring everybody back and, you know, just continue this wonderful thing they have going on, man. I really enjoyed this one and I really can't wait for the third one. Yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and know, like, I know, like, a long catalog of, like, villains he could go up against. Um, but, you know, with Namor as a, a constant threat, maybe that is a time where you bring in a Dr. Doom and maybe that's not his first showing, you know, because mm-hmm. we know in the MCU they've done time skips before. Like, they... Uh, between Infinity War, uh, between in- Infinity War and Endgame, it's like what five years? Five years, five yeah. Years. So I think they're still like ahead of us. When who knows with all this multiverse stuff and all these things they have, we might not even get another Black Panther movie for at least another what mm-hmm. five years. Mm-hmm. True. You know, maybe it's something to where, um, you know. Maybe being born or, you know, with T'Challa and Nakia conceiving with him having the herb, you know, maybe maybe he ages a little bit faster and he's like got it naturally in him. You know, mm-hmm. the, you know, how much of the synthetic herb do they have or how is it going to, you know, reproduce it now? Maybe it's a bloodline thing now. Right. Who knows, you know, but yeah, definitely more Baku. I don't know any villains. And I'd hate to double back on a Dr. Doom after what I said earlier, but it's like, man, that would be a great villain, you know? Like, if there's anything, I would like them to maybe lean toward more of the spiritual stuff because I feel like when you hear Black Panther and Wakanda, you think about all the technology and the vibranium, but I'd like that it's a mixture, you know? So... Maybe we find out Vibranium came from, you know, outer space. Maybe the aliens are coming back to get their Vibranium. Or maybe it's something where they have to go into the spiritual plane and team up with other Black Panthers. You know, uh, I think out of all the MCU properties, it's the most closed off from everybody else, you know? It it is that there is this this feeling like this you know these adventures are somewhat self contained you know and we talked about it earlier you know on the show and I agree with you by the way that I'm happy that they did not include other Avengers in this movie and it wasn't this I feel like these two what makes these two movies so special Black Panther and Wakanda Forever unlike a lot of other MCU properties, you, I feel like you could just watch these two movies independent of everything else. And they would make sense. Mm-hmm. It would make perfect sense. You know, the, so, and I do like that. I do like that because it, it then you can say, okay, the movie kind of leans on its own strength. It's not successful because we had to bring in Spider-Man or we had to bring in this other character. These movies can be successful strictly with these characters. And I love the fact that, you know, not only have they been critically you know, well-received, but also financially, you oh, know, okay. so that, that's a big deal, you know, when you can do that without the benefit of bringing in, you know, the heavy hitters, you know, to kind of, you know, do a guest appearance in your movie. Yeah. And like great casting, you know, like, I feel like it's a, everybody in these movies has like potential to like lead a movie. Like they can be a starring 
actor or actress in any movie. Like they they've got the acting chops to pull it off. You know, there's definitely yeah, there's no bit characters in, in these movies. And you know, everybody really brought their A game like all the way around. You know, it's great tribute, great movie, great, great acting. Uh definitely looking forward to seeing more of Wakanda, maybe in a Koye's show. I think they're going to put that deleted scene in there. So we're definitely going to find out more about um, Wakanda. Maybe we'll get a glimpse of the villain for the next movie in this. And, you know, maybe we'll see a little bit more, you know, growth from characters like our new uh Young T'Challa, Tucson, and Shuri and Baku, all the greats coming back. Yep. You ready to wrap this thing up? I'm, I'm ready. All right. Well, yeah, that was our Wakanda Forever episode. Garrett, it's been great to have you on again. G. Curtis, you know you're always welcome to nerd out with us. Can't wait till next time. Man, it's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure, and, you know, I look forward to chopping it up with you guys again and yeah, we can't wait man so till next time it's been me your boy zero money money that's c.ro double dollar sign here with g curtis what's up <laughs> we'll catch you next time we out you all right till next time peace, peace.